came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. One great show for you today to find out what's going on in the world. Uh, we have Rona McDaniel, what's going on in the GOP. Alan Dershowitz, what's going on uh, with uh, anti-Semitism and our colleges. Steve Cates, look up at the sky. Dr. Peter Michalos, how do we live longer? Senator Ron Johnson, Middle America. Let's start off with Admiral James Stavridis that will give us his analysis of what's going on in the entire world. With us today is Admiral James Stavridis, the Supreme Allied Commander of NATO for four years, does so many things, four-star general in the U.S. Navy, global affairs for the Carlyle Group, the Rockefeller Foundation. Admiral, is there anything you don't do? Yeah, I don't play power forward for the Knicks because I'm five feet, five inches tall, John. Well, other than that, uh, you have you have had a, a fantastic uh, career and helped our country so much. Uh, have you ever seen our country in such a mess? Or have you ever seen the world in such a mess? Uh, we, we have... Uh, open uh, situation in the Ukraine. We have Hamas and in uh, Israel. We have uh, cooking battles going on in uh, North Korea, China, Taiwan. Where do you want to start this morning? <laughs> well, let's start with the world. And let's start, I think, front of mind for most people, John, at the moment is the Middle East. So let's start there. And, and I'll break it into three parts, if you will, past, present, future. So past, for me, as a professional national security expert, past is how did this happen? How did the Israeli special services, their intelligence services, their military intelligence, how did they miss this? It's a 9-11 level event. And the Israelis, just like we did, John, and, and you were in New York, I'm sure for that. I was in Pentagon on that terrible day. It took us about two years to really figure out what happened. What I think we're going to discover in the case of Israel is, first, it is complacency. They had lived alongside Hamas for 15-plus years. They just didn't take it as seriously as they needed to. Related to that, internal divisions in Israel, a lot of distractions for governments in five years. And number three, you have to give credit to Hamas. They came up with new, innovative technologies, everything from hang glider attacks to using couriers and landlines instead of cell phones. So past, I want to know what happened, and I want to draw lessons from that for us here so we can make sure it never happens again to us. John, the second, the present. Right now, Israel is very effectively counter-firing against Hamas. They have probably between 10 and 20,000 troops already inside Gaza. They're cutting off Gaza City in the north. That's all good news. 
But the bad news is there's a massive humanitarian disaster unfolding in front of our eyes. Um, Egypt and Jordan are going to have to step up and take refugees. And Israel is going to have to find a way to balance offensive operations with allowing humanitarian aid to flow in. They're probably going to have to hit a point of some kind of temporary ceasefire and operations to allow that to happen might give Hamas a little bit of breathing space. I think that's okay because Israel will never forgive and never forget. They'll go right back to it after they accommodate the refugees. And then third and finally, John, the future, I know a lot of listeners are wondering, will this expand beyond Israel and Hamas and Gaza? I think I'm cautiously optimistic it will not, that it will be confined to that area But I will tell you the thing to watch as an investor, as a geopolitical thinker, as a citizen, watch the actions of Hezbollah, the terrorist group to the north of Israel. It is a creature of Iran. And if Iran makes the mistake of unleashing Hezbollah, they have many, many missiles against Israel. Then I think the U.S. would get pulled in to assist Israel in knocking down that threat to the north. John, that's a lot of information, but it kind of covers the big three issues I'm thinking about right now. Now, on Friday, I understand uh, that Russia was using the Wagner Group, who I call the uh, Russian Foreign Legion, to supply Hezbollah with some additional product or or weapons, not for defense, for, for sure, for offense. Yes, what uh, Wagner Group is providing are both offensive and defensive weapons as follows. They are upgunning the ability of Hezbollah to target its missiles by providing more advanced drones to them. That's the offensive side. And defensively, they're providing them pretty sophisticated air defense systems, which come straight from Russia. And the reason that's occurring, John, is about 100 miles to the west of Lebanon, where Hezbollah is, 100 miles into the eastern Mediterranean are not one, but two U.S. aircraft carriers, each of them with 80 combat aircraft. There are also five squadrons of Air Force jets in the region. Uh, We have a lot of offensive power for their own reasons. Russia is encouraging the Wagner Group, which, by the way, I believe is now led by the son of Prigozhin, who was killed in this mysterious private jet explosion. The Wagner Group will be providing those kind of advanced weapons to Hezbollah. It shows you the linkages between Tehran and Moscow. Now, the other thing I have heard through my sources, you know, things were very quiet in Palestine until Saudi Arabia was looking to uh, align themselves with Israel. And uh, for some reason, Iran panicked and created the the stir-up with uh, Hamas. Is there a bin Laden of 2023? Is there any particular person that has created that situation and and pushing those buttons on Hamas? I think what you outline is a credible explanation for why now with Hamas. And uh, you're correct that Hamas itself, Hezbollah, and above all, the Iranians, the Persians in Tehran, We're looking at this growing alignment between Israel and Saudi Arabia and and becoming very concerned about it. And uh, it would be the fulfillment of the Abraham Accords started on the 
watch of President Trump. Uh, now you have uh, United Emirates, Morocco, Bahrain, alongside Egypt and Jordan, all Arab countries that are working with Israel. For Saudi Arabia to make that step, the Palestinians felt this was going to take away their champion, if you will, in the Arab world. And of course, from Tehran, what you see is your two great enemies, the leader of the Arab world, by finances anyway, Saudi Arabia, coming together with the Jewish state of Israel. So yes, Tehran is the one pulling the strings on this. And I think that's where most of the blame sits. And if you want a name, I will give you the, that of the supreme Ayatollah Khamenei. Uh, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to tell the American people? Hey, look at China. We haven't spent a lot of time focused on China, and there's both good news and there's concerning news. The good news is that we're moving toward a summit where our president will meet with President Xi in San Francisco here in the United States in about two weeks. Let's hope we get some good news for the markets out of that in terms of at least a modest level of cooperation. The bad news is, John, we're continuing to see China flying dangerous missions against our aircraft in the South China Sea, operating our ships in an unseamanlike and dangerous way in the South China Sea against allies like the Philippines. So with China, good news, bad news. Let's see what November brings. It's a good one to watch as an investor. And by the way, I hear you have a new book. I do, John. It's out early in the new year. It's a sequel to my New York Times bestseller, 2034, which is a novel about a war with China. The new novel is called 2054, so the year 2054, and it looks at artificial intelligence and the strengths, the benefits, but also the dangers of artificial intelligence. And it's going to be available in January, and you can pre-order on Amazon? You can get on Amazon and type in the words 2054 and you can pre-order it, yes. Admiral James Stavridis, thank you so much for everything you've, you've done and continue to do for our country. God bless you and God bless America. my friend. Talk soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us today is Rona McDaniel, and uh, she's in the studio with us, and uh, and uh, she is the GOP national chairman, and uh, she knows it all. I hope. <laughs> I hope Rona, so. It's you, so good to be with you in person. Th- thank you. It's good to see you today, and give us an update. What the heck is going on nationally? In Republican politics, uh, the big item on your table, I guess, is presidential. Uh, And uh, give us your estimate of what's going on. So we have a big debate next week, next Wednesday in Miami with Hugh Hewitt and NBC. Uh, And we have the primary starting in January. January 15th is going to be the first caucus. So all these polls we're hearing about, we're actually going to have votes come January of 2024. It's 70 days away. 
When is the first primary? The first caucus is January 15th in Iowa. So this is our step to taking back the White House because I believe that our nominee will beat Joe Biden. So if you have Biden and it looks like Trump is in the lead unless they find a way to shoot him down, don't the American people realize that they're doing everything possible to shoot him down? You know, the American people are really suffering. They're worried about our national security. They have, they're worried about their own economic security. They're worried about the security in their streets when we see this rise in crime. They worry about their kids in school. They're not thinking about these lawsuits and this beltway back and forth and, and Biden going after Trump. They're thinking, how are these people going to take care of me and my family and make my life better? And that's what they're worried about because Biden has been a disaster for every single family in this country. Well, you're absolutely right because... On his attack on the fossil fuel uh, companies, he's doubled the price of gasoline uh, since President Trump, and he, he's increased the price of food by 20, 30 percent, and it, it actually made the American people poorer. He has. Not only that, he raised gas prices for us. He walked away from our own energy independence. And who profited? Iran. Iran, our enemy, now has and, a, and Russia. And Russia. And they have a flush bank account. So what do they do? Iran says, well, we're going to go give money to Hamas. And they go attack Israel. So these, this is bad policy from Biden that is making our world less safe. Rona, in, in case you don't know the exact numbers, I, was, I had dinner with Larry Kudlow the other night. And, and the fact is, under President Trump, Iran was producing 400,000 barrels a day at $50 a barrel. Chump change. Now he's the President Biden has allowed them to produce three and a half million barrels a day. You ready? You're sitting down. I am. Two billion dollars a week excess cash. Oh my God! And that's what they're using to 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 fund Hamas and fund all the other terror groups. And that's where the money's going. And the same thing with Russia. Russia is producing ten million barrels a day at a hundred dollars a barrel. That's a billion dollars a day we're giving Russia. Exactly. This all comes back to Biden. Day one. Remember what he did day one? He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. Yes. He shut down our energy independence. He walked away from America being prosperous and said, you know what? I'm going to put that money in the hands of our enemies. And guess what? They're not good people. And they're not going to do good things by our country. And Joe Biden's weak and the world you is can't less safe. Be, you can't be nice to Russia. You can't be nice no. to Iran because they use it against us. Exactly. And Biden's so naive. Remember. And you know what he did on 9-11, yeah. Rona? What? See? Well, I'm in New York. I'm waiting for no, him. No, this 9-11. He didn't even show up. On 9-11, he didn't show up. You know where he got? After Russia and, uh, and OPEC nations said they're going to cut their uh, production so they can raise the price, he went to Alaska and cut production in Alaska. Yep. And he made a deal with Iran. On 9-11. That's when the $6 billion was, was made to give to Iran. I so can't believe that's it. That's what our president did. Our world is less safe because of Joe Biden. We got your debate is next week. Yes. Uh, and how many of your candidates are, are, are left? So right now, Mike Pence just dropped out. And you know something? I like the man. He's, yeah. a ver he's a straight arrow. He's a very nice man. He's such a good man. And he yeah. did it at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference in Vegas. I was there. He got three standing ovations. All the candidates were there. So right now, it, President Trump's made the debate stage. I don't think he's going to come because he's not doing debates. But it'll be Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. And then we don't know about Doug Burgum yet. So you got four or five? Five. 
five for this one. There were six on the last one. There were eight on the first. Remember, in 2015, I, 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 we there had were a 15. dinner party for Doug Burnham. Yeah. He's a very nice he's man, a very and, and, and he's a smart guy too. They're all better than Biden. Every single one of them. We have a great bench. I, I just, we have to make sure that whatever happens at the end, and John, you get this, we have to come together as a party and, and coalesce. You, we got to come together as a party, but you also have to come together as a nation. And Democrats have to learn how to work whatever, with you guys and, 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 and for what's right in the country. And I was very, very disappointed, Rona, and I think I have to bring this out. I believe that uh, Kevin McCarthy did the right thing on extending the budget, and I believe that somebody in the Democratic Party promised him that they'll, they'll support him because they knew he was going to lose votes. Yeah. And they did not support Kevin McCarthy and created chaos. And they threw Nancy Pelosi out of her office five minutes after the vote. I guess she's the one that did the promising. I think she did. Well, Kevin said that. He said she'd made him that promise that they would never vote to remove a speaker. Listen, Kevin McCarthy is why we have the House. I, I think the RNC. He's a very Kevin, decent, he's decent a good person. Man, but he recruited candidates. He traveled prolifically. He raised a lot of funds. We're very excited about Speaker Johnson. We want him to do well. But I don't want to forget the hard work that Kevin put in to put us in this position. Never forget. And yeah. uh, a very decent guy. And I hope uh, uh, there's a place for him in uh, the Republican Party because uh, he's got a lot of people that love him. And, uh, we're going to need him because we're, we're going to need to raise money. 2024 is harder on the House. It's going to be harder to hold the House. And so we need everybody working together. This infighting, this three weeks of infighting hurt us. And we need to coalesce around our new speaker. But we need Kevin McCarthy being part of that team. Maybe the, the future presidential candidate for the Republican Party will pick him as a vice president. You never know. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought about that. See, nobody's yeah, thinking about you. that. Changing up the game. I like it. Rona, thank you so much for uh, this interview, and thank you for your, your projections uh, of what's happening. And we'll catch up again real soon. Good to see you. With us this Sunday morning is uh, a professor of Harvard for 60 years, Alan Dershowitz. And there's so many things happening in our country there's so much to reflect back. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, uh, tell us, uh, what do you see uh, happening in the last two weeks that really concerns you? Well, the last couple of weeks, I've been doing nothing but writing a book. Um, I started writing it the day these attacks occurred, and I finished writing it before, this, before the weekend. And so the book will be out. It's called The War Against the Jews, How to Stop Hamas's Barbarism. So I've been very, very busy thinking about this, and I've come to some conclusions. The most important conclusion, of course, is that the, the uh, anti-Semitism on campus, which has become rampant, did not, did not begin when Israel fought back. It began only after 1,400 children, babies were beheaded, women were raped, kids were burned, eyes, and that's what caused the anti-Semitism. It is so perverse that the anti-Semitism didn't start with Israel fighting back, which proves it's not what Israel did. It's what Israel is, the nation-state of the Jewish people, and it's the focal point of anti-Semitism. It is the Jew among nations, but it's the canary in the mineshaft, because when they come after Jews first, they're not the last. They come after Americans. There's going to be more terrorism, as the head of the FBI said, and it's going to be directed against Americans. It's coming to a theater near you if we don't stop it in the Middle East. 
What I've been told, uh, uh, Mr. Dershowitz, Professor, is that it's possible 10,000 Hamas animals were hired for like $10,000 a piece that they give to their families, given guns, and, and somebody paid for, for, the, for them. Let's, let's so call it the uh, 2023 terrorist head. Like we, we had yeah. uh, uh, whoever we had in the past back in uh, 9-11. These, you know, 10,000 10, terrorists at $10,000 a piece is $100 million. That's chump yeah. change yeah. For, the, for, uh, for, for some of these countries. Who well, is, a lot of it comes who, from Qatar, and a lot of it comes from Iran. And they all say, oh, we're only giving money for humanitarian purposes as if dollars weren't fungible. Obviously, Hamas doesn't care about humanitarian things. They steal the food, the, the gas, the electricity. They steal it from the citizens of, of Gaza, and they keep it for their own soldiers. So obviously, Iran is behind this. They are the master you know, puppeteer here. And they tell Hamas what to do, Hezbollah what to do, uh, the Houthis in Yemen what to do. And their aim is to destroy America and to destroy Israel. Remember, they call America the big devil and Israel the the little devil. So the reason they're so anti-Semitic and anti-Israel is because Israel is so close to the United States. You know, scratch an anti-Zionist and you'll find somebody who's anti-American. So this is our fight in every possible sense. So there's there's a bin Laden out there. The bin Laden of, of 2023. Do you yeah. think our intelligence agencies knows who it is? Because what happens is, if it's 10,000 terrorists, and uh, I don't know, how many people, how many Palestinians in uh, Gaza are there? Two million. And, Two million. But, you know, yeah. So everybody suffers. Uh, the Israelis suffer. The Palestinians suffer. Everybody suffers because some, the bin Laden of 2023 has paid $100 million to 10,000 terrorists. Yeah, and they have a plan, and it's worked very well since about 2010. I've written about it repeatedly. And by the way, they must have made the, they must have made the $100 million back because they probably shorted the stock market. Well, not only that, but they got money from the United States. They got billions of dollars from the United States over the years. Uh, Iran has and Qatar, there's an American army base there. But Hamas and Iran's plan is very simple. You attack Israeli civilians, you kill as many as possible, either through tunnels or through rockets or through what happened on October 7th. You know Israel's going to respond. So you put your fighters among civilians. You put babies and children there. You know that Israel's going to attack, and inevitably there'll be some human shields, babies, children killed. You're ready to parade these babies out in front of CNN's camera, and it's called the dead baby strategy. And the world turns against Israel. So it's a win-win for the terrorists. The terrorists kill Israelis. Israel then kills Palestinians, which Hamas couldn't care less about. And then Israel is blamed for doing it, even though obviously it's all the fault of Hamas. I uh, was with President Clinton the other night, and I I felt his sadness that the only problem he couldn't solve, and he's still still sad about it, is the the Palestinian-Israeli problem. Yeah, he told me when he was leaving office that Arafat called him on the phone to congratulate him for being a great president. Clinton said, I could have been a great president if not for you. You stopped me from being a great president. You know, he once almost kicked Arafat out of the office because Arafat said, oh, there were never any Jews who lived in Palestine. There was never a t- temple who lived in Palestine. And Clinton said to him, you're disputing my religion. Where was Jesus? Where were the moneylenders if there was no temple? Of course there were Jews. 
don't ever say that to me again. And, you know, Arafat really was the villain of this whole piece. If he had only died a few years earlier, it's possible there could have been peace. But he made peace impossible, and now Hamas makes peace impossible. I, I felt his pain the other night. Yeah. Let, let me ask another question. Joe Biden, I am yeah. very, very disappointed in him. And I'll tell you who else I'm disappointed in. I am disappointed in the uh, Democratic Senate that they, they haven't put their foot down to make sure, you know, so many things are going wrong in our country. And uh, a lot of bad decisions. And a lot of it has to do with the radical, woke, progressive left part of the Democratic Party, the squad. So I have told people, if anybody runs against the squad, anybody runs against these leftist, woke, progressive Democrats, I will support them, even though I'm a Democrat. I'll vote Republican. I'll help finance them. I'll campaign for them. Just beat those people at the polls. Beat them in the Democratic way. Uh, not the way they want to defeat Donald Trump. They want to defeat Donald Trump by disqualifying him, not by beating him on the merits. But I want to beat these squad people, these Democrats, fair and square by, by voting against them, by having people vote against them. It is very, very sad to see uh, uh, even Trump's children going through uh, hell and being asked to testify. It's just part of this get Trump mentality. And I, too, I voted for for Biden, but I'm disappointed. I don't like the fact that he says, oh, there's anti-Semitism on campus, but there's also anti-Muslim and anti-Arab. No, there's not. It's only anti-Semitism. Arabs and Muslims are in the top of the, the heap. Nobody is against them. Nobody harasses them or beats them up. Uh, but Jews have had to hide. They've had to be put in safe places. Harvard Law Review student the other day was part of a gang that was harassing a Jewish student. And so it's a one-way street, and Biden, in, in order to appear equally virtuous to both sides, creates a false equality between anti-Semitism, which is prevalent on campuses, and anti-Arab and Muslim attitudes, which are not prevalent on college campuses today. Uh, we got about a minute left. What, what, would, sure. what else would you like to tell the American people on a Sunday morning? I would like to tell law firms, if you have any lawyers listening, do not hire anybody who signed any of these statements blaming these horrible massacres on Israel. Do not hire Hamas supporters. You owe it to your clients, to your clients, not to give them lawyers who support rapists and, and, and kidnappers and people who gouge other people's eyes out. Show some moral courage here. This is not doxing. All we want to do is hold people accountable for their free speech. They have the right to say outrageous things. But you, the law firms, have a right to hold these young lawyers accountable for their bigotry. And I'll tell you the way I feel, Professor. The intelligence agencies should tell us who is the Bin Laden of 2023, because somebody wrote that check, somebody distributed that money. Well, you're the guy who can figure that out, because you know more about money than any good, decent person I know, so... Uh, keep doing great things. Keep asking the right questions. You're so important to the American conversation. Thank you so much, Professor, and we'll catch up again real soon. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to wabcradio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment. With us today is Stephen Cates, also known as Dr. Sky, and uh, 
we look up in the skies at every weekend and we wonder what the heck is going on up there. Steve Cates, tell us what's going on this uh, weekend. Well, good morning, John, to all the listeners of the Cats Roundtable. Here we go again. If you want to get really competitive in the space business, we really ought to look at what China's doing, John. And here's just a rundown of some of the accomplishments they've made in such a short time. Back in 1964, they launched their first rocket with a couple of mice in it. In 1970, they launched their first satellite. It was called the Dong Fang Hong One. Then we go to 1999, they launched their first unmanned spacecraft. But things get more interesting. The Chinese in 2003, they launched their first astronaut, and they don't call them astronauts, they call them tikonauts, meaning space and heavenly space explorers. And the list goes on, John. It goes on to talk about the first space station in 2011, the first Chinese lunar lander in 2013, and then their great efforts to land on the planet Mars, doing things that have happened, you know, they did it in such a short time. And now they're developing these methane-powered rockets for exploration, and they really have made some serious accomplishments, don't you think? Well, they're moving at a faster speed than we are, I guess. We have diversified. I'm sure that China is still all government money versus with us, it's NASA, it's, and then some of the private companies that are, that are starting to do things. Who is in the lead as far as the private companies? Well, SpaceX, John, has the lead, undoubtedly. I mean, Elon Musk, the genius that he is and the things he does in space, this is interesting. His Starship rocket that he's going to develop again so that it's pretty much hopefully a flawless rocket, it will be able to deliver payloads not only to the moon but out to Mars, whereas a myriad of problems are occurring with the NASA program with Artemis. It's way over budget, as we've talked about before. But seriously, the Chinese... They've really gone in so many different directions. And now one of the last things that they're looking at doing, maybe not the last of all time, but the latest, I should say, is they're looking to build a constellation of a bunch of these spacecraft that will go out into the heavens, not building like we have a James Webb telescope, but smaller, more independent little spacecraft. And then they're obviously looking to do something even more incredible, and that is build their own GPS system. They don't want anything to do with our GPS. They want their own And that's an ongoing project right now. So they're way ahead in many ways. What would they do different on their GPS system? Maybe put it further out into space so you need less satellites to communicate totally uh, within the, 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 the solar system, I guess, or within between us and the moon? They're looking to put them into maybe a geosynchronous orbit, John, that's way out and above most of the low orbit satellites. But they don't want to depend on our system at all. And I think Russia's doing the same thing. They don't want to have the possibility of interfering with our systems because in the event of a war, they would want to be standing tall and not have to have that, you know, our system go down or even if they took our system down. They want in to in other words, if, if Russia decided to shoot down our, our system or if China decided to shoot down our system, they're the only ones capable of really doing it at this point unless we talk about the space aliens. Uh, if, uh, if they move them out far enough, uh, we will be exempt from that from the United States system. Absolutely, John. You know, there's so many other subjects to talk about here. And just quickly, as we wrap it up, we talk about the solar max, this particular solar cycle, 25. Astronomers are saying it's much more intense. We know that. And it probably will peak earlier. And that peak now could occur around mid-2024. 
but listen to this, folks. This is interesting, John. Back on October 28, 2003, the Earth was hit with this massive solar flare system that was called the Great Halloween Solar Storm. At that time, the Earth received, get a load of this, three terawatts of energy from the sun. What did it do? It had the people who were flying polar routes on big commercial airliners. They had to go into lower latitudes because of the improbability of not being able to communicate on their radios, causing a lot of extra expense. And that particular solar flare temporarily lost so many satellites in space, not to knock them out of space, but they couldn't communicate with them. So we have to be careful. Well, not much we can do about it. The solar storms that are coming they may be more intense than uh, even that. So we'll keep our eyes to the skies on all that. Anything that you do with the, I, I saw some stories that the Mars rovers and the, and the helicopter is making record flights on Mars. Yes, John. This ingenuity is really a marvel of technology. And a long time ago, I had the privilege of talking to the chief pilot out at JPL on this. And you're right. It's doing so many flights. It's actually you know, paving the way for future exploration on Mars. And when these future Mars rovers go there, now they'll have an opportunity to leave the mothership, as they say, do like a helicopter does, do its own ability to fly far and away from the mothership. So we have to give those good folks at JPL, you know, a lot of congratulations. They've done something, I think, quite amazing. And always, we remind everybody, John, to always remember to keep your eyes to the skies this weekend and this week. There's a meteor shower, a series of them called the Torrid Meteor Shower. They're known for slow fireballs in the sky. So if you look in the evening into the eastern sky and happen to see a few of these fireballs, know they came from the Torrid Meteor Streams. More information always at wabcradio.com with our Dr. Sky experience. And, John, always a privilege and honor to be with you and the listeners of the Cats Roundtable. Dr. Sky and plain old Steve Cakes. Thank you so much, and thank you for making us all of us smarter and moving our mind along, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Have a good morning. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house genius, talks about history, talks about medicine, talks about uh, many things, but many people swear by him. Dr. Michalos, what's going on today? Well, today we're going to be talking about the exciting area of DNA testing and genomic testing to find out what risk factors you have for various diseases and helping you to find and treat what the root cause of certain problems are. And when you can identify certain risk areas, it tells you where to focus. For example, there's a test called Intellix DNA, which is probably one of the best DNA tests that clinicians, some clinicians are using to focus on exactly what area you have a problem. For example, if it comes back that you have a certain clotting uh, disorder, like something called factor five light in which 3 million U.S. people have, it tells you that you're at high risk for venous thromboembolism, which is clots in the legs that can go to your lungs. It's the same type of clot that women who are on birth control tend to get. One in 100,000 women will get one of these clots. But if you know genetically you have that predisposition, it can also tell you genetically if you have a predisposition for things like depression and bipolar disorders. It can tell you ahead of time, even at a young age, if you have a genetic predisposition towards high cholesterol and lipid problems. It can tell you ahead of time what allergies you have or certain medicines that you might react to adversely or develop a drug interactions to. And there's even a 
marker for longevity. They also have one that tells you the risk of Alzheimer's disease during your lifetime. And this is a major, major breakthrough because imagine it's like giving you a heads up that you're at risk for a certain problem. And this is what you need to start doing now as far as, you know, diet, exercise, sleep hygiene, and other interventions to help you uh, prevent from turning on that gene. It'll tell you if you have a risk for diabetes. So, you know, when we were little kids, we were eating all these great cakes from all these different bakeries and eating sugar. But if we were told that genetically you have a very high risk of getting a certain disease like diabetes or, for example, macular degeneration, you might start wearing a hat with a brim, making sure you never take on smoking and avoiding ultraviolet light. So this is going to be part of medicine. And I had a discussion. There aren't that many doctors who are doing this because it takes a lot of time. You have to know how to review the test. And that's why the companies just don't let any doctor, you have to actually sign up, get training, be a provider. I recently had a discussion with Dr. Maristani, who's down in the Sarasota, Naples area. And he uses this through his test and told me about the various cases. He was able to predict certain things. And another doctor... And, and doctor, the only thing I would say... When I discussed a couple of these things with people, the one thing they said to me is, well, maybe I don't want to know. The other thing they said to me, I'll never be able to get life insurance if something looks wrong. Is there a confidentiality agreement with uh, these uh, testing companies, or would every insurance company in the world know about your condition? Well, when you use your insurance for these various tests, obviously insurance companies have access to it, but these are not things that are covered by insurance. These are things you go to a private doctor, and it's a private relationship between you and the physician and the uh, testing So in other words, you can get it done, you can get it done without exposing your name if you pay cash? If you're paying for the test, uh, you can, you know, basically keep it all very confidential. But again, you're you're not trying to do insurance fraud by by if somebody asks you or if an insurance company asks you if you have any, you know, if they, if they start asking that question, which at this time they haven't asked whether you've had a DNA test. But it is a uh, a privacy concern. But with you know the physician patient relationship, they're not sharing it with anybody. But it's not fraud uh, because it's not a hundred percent certified. It, you know, maybe it's eighty percent or ninety percent. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's certain things like if you have the clotting gene for factor five light, and that is that's like a hundred percent whether you have it or not. The whole point is you need to have a discussion with your physician and you might ask to create a document or sign or look at the privacy policy because a lot of times people sign up for some of these things like that are currently available like 23andme and you just have to read their privacy policy and they give you options to opt out so that your information is uh, not shared and I, you know, I just recently had this discussion with dr magdalene in southampton we were talking about the privacy policies and uh, there are opt-out uh, options for these things. But the important thing, the message of today is that y you now have this option. You can do it on your own. 
but I'm hoping that insurance companies would allow these things to be tested. And when you reach a certain age, you're not that worried about being denied of insurance. You want to know what's wrong with you so you can catch it and uh, get early treatment. Just like, you know, two weeks ago, I told somebody to get the gallery test to spot for 50 cancers early on, and it came back as uh, lung cancer. And the and it even tells you the part of the lung in the bronchi and the tubules. And now that person has to go get a CAT scan with contrast to find the tumor, but they otherwise would have never known about this. So having this information before diseases even start is an exciting area, and, you know, people will be hearing more about it. Because in the end, the most important thing is health, and the rest we can figure out. Well, Dr. Peter Mihalos, thank you. God bless America, and may we all live long and prosper. And thank you for giving us the microphone to get the truth out every week on the Cats Roundtable. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us this Sunday morning is Senator Ron Johnson, the great state of Wisconsin, it was interesting days this uh, in Washington. Senator Johnson, you interviewed the head of the FBI a few days ago. You had some serious uh, questions on what's going on with our country and with uh, Washington. Can you tell the American people about something what's going on? Well, good morning, John. And yeah, we had uh, Director Ray in front of the Homeland Security Committee for our annual threats hearing. And after we talked about the border with uh, Secretary Mayorkas, and the threats that the FBI is trying to follow because of our open border. I, I turned my attention to a letter that Senator Grassley sent to Director Ray and Attorney General Merrick Garland based on his whistleblower from, from the FBI claiming that the FBI has, has 40 confidential human sources with derogatory information on the Bidens. What the FBI did with those confidential human sources is still not fully known, but we do know the FBI set up what they call the Foreign Influence Task Force, whose job appears primarily to find out where that derogatory information is and then swoop on in and label it Russian disinformation. This is the exact same task force that provided an unsolicited briefing to both Senator Grassley and I in August 2020 in the midst of our Hunter Biden investigation, meant to do this exact same thing, to throw us off the off the uh, trail to, to interfere in our uh, investigation. So this is corruption at some of the highest levels of the FBI. Uh, we know how corrupt the investigation has been of Hunter Biden, Department of Justice, uh, uh, frustrating investigators' ability. The IRS uh, whistleblowers have talked about this. Uh, again, as troubling as the corruption of the Biden crime family is, what may be even more troubling is the corruption within federal law enforcement, the FBI, Department of Justice, you know, intelligence community, that letter with 51 former intel officials claiming the, the laptop was a Russian information operation. And this is serious business. And I'll add, if it weren't for the corruption of the media, the bias of the media, uh, if we had a free press that hold both sides equally accountable, we, put, we probably wouldn't have this level of corruption in our federal agencies. Senator, I've said many a times, probably 99%, 99.5%, of the FBI's probably hardworking American patriotic uh, agents. Uh, it, it seems like uh, the Washington uh, Division is taking direct orders from the Department of Justice, which is more politicized. I completely agree. 
I, I told Director Ray that, that I think the vast majority of the 38,000 people that work in his uh, agency are people of integrity, patriots who serve and sacrifice to keep us safe. That's just true. And he accused me of saying the exact opposite. But no, it is partisan actors at the highest levels of some of these agencies. And they are, they're sprinkled in different areas. It's not just in D.C. headquarters. It's other places as well. For example, the, the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, David Weiss. Now, they always say he's a Trump appointee. He was recommended by two Democrat senators, and a Republican president just goes, goes along and, and uh, nominates the, the, the individual that Democrat senators propose. So he's not a Republican. From, from what I can tell, he's certainly not a partisan in favor of Republicans. He's, he's also been covering up for President Biden. If I remember those days, Trump was just trying to be a nice guy, and uh, and the two senators from the state recommended him, so he was just being a nice guy. He didn't realize. I think he had no sense of the type of swamp Washington was. Yeah, I think he probably had a sense, but what can you do about it when when the deep state is so deep and it's so pervasive, and it's it's populated with hard left wing partisans? That's the problem. It's not populated by you know, a, a broad range of people from across the political spectrum. The, the people who have burrowed into these agencies are people that like government, and they like to grow government, and they like to grow their power over the, the general population. Before you, uh, you know, and I publicly said, if I was Ray uh, being FBI director, if I thought there was something really wrong, I would stand up and say, guys, you guys are wrong. And just stand up and have the courage to stand up and say it. And I, I don't understand why he's not doing that. Well, listen, I, I think his primary job when he assumed office in the 2017 was to you know, repair the damage done by James Comey, to restore the credibility and integrity of the FBI. He, he's utterly failed to do that. And I have a laundry list of examples of corruption that has occurred under his directorship. Uh, so it's unfortunately, he, he completely failed at his primary mission, which was to restore the integrity and credibility so that all those agents that have integrity can be proud of the people at the top. Before that, you interviewed Secretary Mayorkas, uh, uh, Homeland Security, and I did hear him say, I think, that uh, he realizes that the, the immigration problem is a real problem. Did he say that? It, it's not, not, not real clear. I mean, he, he would always deflect and let the Secretary Mayorkas kind of handle the border issues. But you know, he, he was honest enough to realize that we've got a real terror threat. Secretary Mayorkas was maddening. I asked him point blank, you know, Mr. Secretary, how many people has, have you let in during your administration? And he just hemmed and hawed, would never answer the question at all. I mean, this guy completely blamed the, the explosion of the border on our broken asylum system. I had to point out to him, Mr. Secretary, under Donald Trump, the exact same broken asylum system, we pretty well secured the border. We, we, we one month only had 17,000 People come to this country legally. Last month, we had over 270,000. Six million people in total is the best estimate I can get because DHS won't tell us. 1.7 million known gotaways. We don't know who these people are. We just know that we detect them coming across the border, and now they're in our country. You think there might be a terrorist or two, or two in that 1.7 million people, or the 73,000 special interest aliens that they encountered? I mean, these are people they can count that they, they know came to this country. Now we have this massive caravan that is populated with military-aged men from countries that uh, are not exactly friendly to the US, U.S. This is a massive national security issue. And what people are worried about, and I've talked to, to a lot of security uh, experts and uh, former uh, 
uh, CIA, etc., that a lot of bad people have walked over the border. And don't worry about the people at the airports where you have to take your belt off, take your shoes off. They just walk over the border, and uh, we could have a lot of terrorists in our, uh, in our midst that we, we don't even know. Yeah, 1.7 million people that got away without ever being encountered or touched by a Custom Border Patrol agent. 1.7 million people. We know we've, we've apprehended people from over 150 countries. Again, 73,000 special interest aliens from those countries that are adversary to us. Yeah, this is a real problem. This is John Katzmatidis. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to WABCRadio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment. Thank you for listening to the Cats Roundtable. Every Sunday morning, we'll bring you the latest in what's happening in our community, our country, and the world. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a nice Sunday. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno.